This is HPR episode 2566 entitled HPR Community News for May 2018 and is part of the series HPR Community News. It is hosted by HPR volunteers and is about 63 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is HPR volunteers talk about shows released and comments posted in May 2018. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Hello everybody, my name is Ken Fallon and you're listening to another edition of HBR Community News. This time it's May 2018. Joining me this evening is... Hi, it's Dave Morris, who nearly didn't get his press to talk button pressed in time. Anyway, Dave Morris. Truncate silence, Dave. Truncate silence. (laughs) Yeah, I need truncating sometimes. Anyway, for those of you new to HBR, HBR is a community podcast network where the shows are delivered by you, the public. And the community news is a view into that. It gives you a summary of the shows that have been aired last month, goes through stuff on the mailing list and brings you up to date on what is going on in the community uh, from what we can see of it at least. And would you like to introduce the new host, Dave? <laughs> well, this will be a truncate silence bit because there ain't none. How is that possible, Dave? How is that possible that we have no new host? No, it's just... I mean, come on, people, be a host. In a way, it's a blessing because um, that last update to the database has broken the uh, CRM system. So uh, anybody who wants to make my life a pain can, in fact, do so now by <laughs> by becoming a host here in HPR. Oh, really? Oh, we need to talk about that because I, I ain't no PHP expert, but I could probably do no. something to... Well, you know, no. Dave, I don't actually want to fix it. I want to write a Python script that will just go in and add the entries. And I'm basically waiting for an excuse to do that. So, Ah, okay. I, I've been doing something similar to that in Perl for, for several years. So Nobody uses the... Perl, Dave. Nobody uses Perl. <laughs> it's a popular language. It was There's a popular people... language. <laughs> no, 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 no. Perl oh. 6 is here. But, uh, yeah, yeah, my well, my rule of thumb oh, is yeah. if if I can't do an uh, ISO eight six zero one date in the language, then yeah, I'm not using it anymore. <laughs> it's just yeah. I'm sure you can. No, that's one of the uh, Perl modules that's been deprecated or not supported anymore. So bit of a bummer. The, the the problem with Perl is that there's quite a lot of bits and pieces that are that are getting tatty and uh, yeah, showing their age and stuff and. Uh, People have, people are still there. There's still a lot of people working on it. It's really, really busy, but it's not. It's way down the popularity charts, and it's uh, it's not getting the, the tender loving care it used to get. No, yeah, strange. Anyway, shall we go through the shows? Let's do that thing. Okay, the first one we were looking at was how I helped my dad run a static website using SparkleShare. And this interested me simply because uh, I've been thinking of doing something similar to this for HPR. Well, yeah, it does have similarities to some of the, the little chats we've had about this. And it's, it sounds really clever. I like this. I uh, I didn't fully understand it from the episode, but that's probably because I wasn't paying enough attention. But I looked at the website of SparkleShare and it looks pretty cool. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily the sharing that I wanted to do. It was more the how he went about doing it, taking the um, GitLab pages. Because that would actually be quite cool, you know, for hosts. Uh, hosts themselves could maintain their own uh, host page and stuff in Git. And then, yeah, all the authentication <laughs> could be done via SSH and you copy your keys up and blah, 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 blah. So kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, there's some potential, something like that anyway. So I think we'll just get Clacky on that. Clacky, if you could just uh, do that for us, that would be awesome. Thanks. 
I'm sure he's he's delighted at that prospect. <laughs> so choking on some <laughs> on his dinner over there. Uh, the following day, we had operator with his home theater part one harder. I always like to see the part one from uh, operator, meaning we're going to get more shows. And he went through the setup of his uh, media setup quite a lot of uh, of uh, hardware here actually necessary to do this. Yeah, quite an impressive list. Quite a lot of detail he's uh, he's went into there. He's gone into. Yes, it's uh, very clever. I think it's beyond my <laughs> my understanding at the moment. Yeah, and also cost three hundred dollars for. There's a stuff lot there. of yeah, a lot of sophisticated stuff. And to be honest, I uh, I just have stopped watching TV, which is kind of ironic given the job that I do. But yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, well I've 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 rattled on about this many times. I don't watch the telly at all, and uh, I don't don't have any. You don't even pay your to... license now. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Nobody's come and knocked at the door and told me to pay it yet, or since the last time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it's. I don't know. It's so many people I know tend to watch things on YouTube a lot. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. YouTube ain't going to last forever, though. Yeah, but I think it's set up, um, you know, a concept now that well, you know, what's What's a video streaming service more than, you know, an RSS feed with a lot of bandwidth behind it, basically? Yeah, true. So the following day, we had somebody stealing my show, using my ideas, and basically putting out a show without even asking me about it. Who was that, Dave? (laughs) What a a wicked bad person. I don't know who that could have been. (laughs) So, yes, yes. I think the moral of the story is if you don't put out your shows, when you say you're (laughs) going to put out the shows, somebody will put out a show and study. Yes, yes. Have you done something similar to this then? No, I had in my brain, Dave. uh, Oh, okay, okay. It's it's one of these ones, uh, like Tattoo has done three or four shows, and the annoying thing is that um, the end... The sh- your show and his shows have been better than the ones that I would have done, which is not only annoying that you bet me to it, but frustrating that you did a better job on it than I would have done. Oh dear, oh, that's a shame. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm such a such a perfectionist that I have to do go take it to the minutest detail and probably bore everybody sick. But uh, but yeah, yeah. It's um. It was it's, it was a good it was a fun project to do. It's one of these things where you think oh, I'm going to beat this thing, and you do all sorts of weird stuff, and you look back and think, "Wow, that was a lot of bizarre things." There must have been an easy way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not I sure. Have, I have uh, built a script. One uh, once you were talking about this, actually talking about the subscription manager, which they're hiding extremely well. Um, I switched my way of doing it to using the the OPML file that the subscription manager allows you to get. Okay, had you been scraping before or something? No, I was using YouTube DL with a date and time. So uh, they have the feature uh, download last since. So I was doing a uh, URL and then I would put in the date that I last checked it on and then pull that. But the the side effect of that is that it has to check every single video and there is a two second delay. So if if you've got a lot of subscriptions and a lot of people have, a lot of those subscriptions have a lot of videos it still has to check every single video whereas right. a, a subscription list allows you to just look at the last 10 which is usually enough you know if, yep. if you run it as fast as frequently as i do and then i just look in there I'm, actually i'll do a show about it whenever uh, currently a bit busy at the minute with life yeah yeah well yeah i, I also gave you a an intro a, a lead in shall i say to xml starlet we're still waiting yeah. for xml starlet uh, episode. yeah but that, <laughs> that requires a show on xml so yeah i don't know i just need to be, yeah 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 wake up some morning and just as i write we're gonna do this it's it's a big subject i know i wouldn't want to want to do it well, I actually hate XML and with a passion. Yeah, and, me too. And yes. I also don't want to, you know, people who love XML go into big discussions about the document object model and all the rest. No, I just want to deal with it, get the information that I need, put it into a format I can work with and forget about it. Anyway, following day, we had the New Year's Eve show part five, where we had uh, lots of talk about guitars. Fascinating, I found Yes, yes, there was some some good stuff there. Not really heavily into guitars, but uh, appreciated hearing other people who were. 
And it uh, turned out to be that everybody on the New Year's show turned out to be autistic, including myself. So yes, yes. <laughs> that was, that was quite, kind of kind of strange. I wonder, wonder why that is, Dave. Uh, <laughs> on a... I think, uh, yeah, I think the world is coming to the understanding that, uh, that, that characteristics that many people have are being classified as autism. And uh, that ain't no bad thing because there's lots of really wonderful people out there doing amazing things. So Indeed. good for them. Speaking of which, in um, in other news, I have started a GitHub page. Have you dropped off, Dave, or have I been pressing the wrong button? You've been off. I thought. I... Oh my God! I <laughs> yes, been... you. What was you... the last thing I said? <laughs> you said I have set up a GitHub page. I think, and then I thought because sometimes we we pause to go off and do a thing and then then continue and hope that uh, drunk ain't silence will deal with the with the gap i thought you were doing uh, one of those clever things i was in actual <laughs> fact uh, holding the shift button instead of the cap lock button Dave. <laughs> <laughs> i am truly a moron it has to be said okay fine um i put the uh, my wife has done a book it's called uh, Clearly Autistic in English, Doubtedly uh, Autistic in, in Dutch. She wrote it in LibreOffice, and I've just converted it to uh, Markdown. And I know what you're thinking, Dave. Markdown. <laughs> I'm thinking, what a brilliant idea. <laughs> My, uh, this just proves why I hate Markdown uh, almost as much as I hate XML. But okay. Um, so it's there, and then uh, I've started the English literal translation. Um, which is uh, basically take the Google Translate and then convert the sentence into what could possibly be an English translation. But it is not; uh, it's, it doesn't meet the easy, uh, simple English definition of what the book is to be. But I want to do the the actual translation of the English um, differently so that it um, is easier to read but that we have the literal translation there to refer back to. So then anybody translating from English to other languages will have two um, two versions of the same sentence to uh, or the same paragraph to uh, refer to. I don't know if that yep. makes sense. Well, it does to me. Yes, yes, it does make sense. Because it's a, it's if you, you do see things which are auto-translated and the English uh, that was produced is very strange because it has the structure of the original language and it exactly. uh, so and and languages tend to order their verbs and nouns and things in all sorts of weird wonderful ways so uh, yeah it sounds highly highly desirable but a hell of a job yeah it is and it uh, but it is remarkably um rewarding to do it because it's also made me made us focus more on uh, you know on the actual book as well that you're well when you said that did you mean that or did you mean because it's disambiguous there's a, a english word may have two two words for the same thing like uh, you know and solicitor versus barrister or lawyer versus um versus a legislator i guess so i don't know what the american mm -hmm. versions mm -hmm. would be but yeah yeah okay anyway that was that um might be a useful resource at some point so the following day there's no comments uh we're getting into the summer again and the traditional dry period and uh, stuff the following day we had uh, the community news well the following monday community news and there was one comment on that one and that was from Tlake. Do you want to read that? Yes, Clackett says re-butchering. No butchering of fractalide. We pronounce it like you do. Now, tertiary and tuturto, <laughs> on the other hand, smiley face. <laughs> hardy, hardy, hard. <laughs> yes. Mind you, that, that, that name is a little hard to, to grasp. It's got too many U's and T's in it to, 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 to be parsed quickly, I find. Yes, and the man himself did a show the following day on MSIS2, uh, which is a Sigwin replacement, which is quite cool, actually. And uh, Claudio says, MSIS2 is what Sigwin should be. First off, thanks for the mention. Good, sir. Smiley face. Secondly, thanks for this episode. As much as I use Sigwin at work, I despise, despise having to use Sigwin installer to install, update, remove packages. MSYS2 is always is what I've always wanted from Sigwin, an integrated command line package manager for updating packages inside 
of the POSIX compatible environment, just as you do on any Unix-like system. I have to start backing up my configuration files in order to make a big switch on my Windows PC at work. And my thoughts goes out to Claudia Men for having to use a Windows PC <laughs> Yes, yes. I have had to use Sigwin in the past, and it is very, very frustrating. Yeah, I did use it at work because I was forced to use a Windows uh, PC sometimes, and I found Sigwin made it uh, a lot more usable. But it, but that was doing fairly simple, simple stuff. Um, I did point out to my colleagues that an operating system that had to draw you a picture of a file being moved from here to there or scrunched up and thrown away was was a moronic system. But uh, they didn't believe me. Gosh, why not? <laughs> and that Sigwin yeah. could do it in in seconds, whereas you sat watching this stupid graphic for ages while it deleted stuff. Ah. Absolutely. Yeah, but in fairness, a lot of uh, Windows admin uses use the console as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Anyway, um, uh, there was a second comment. Gavtris said, "Git bash Linux newbie here. I'm working on a new product project, and last week, as a requisite, needed to install Git for Windows. I was wondering about the voodoo magic behind Git bash. So, thank you for the explanation. By the way, cool alternate beatbox version of the HPR outro, smiley face. Yes, it is awesome. I always get confused when he does the show notes and it shows that there's no intro, but there is an outro. <laughs> yes, yes. No, it's like that. Yes, I always look forward to hearing that. So, my son's doing a degree, uh, doing a course. In maths and one in computer science with the Open University at the moment, prior to doing a, yep. another degree, a music degree wasn't good enough for him, he wants to do another one. And in order to do a lot of stuff, he's learning Python on Windows, it has to be on Windows. And he was saying how foul <sighs> it was, and I told him about this, MSYS2, and he was so happy that he, um, yeah. Yep. Good, good, good. <laughs> the following so day, we had Lost in Bronx, who's single versus multiple characters in a story. I don't know if Lost in Bronx is doing this just for me, but uh, I'm so glad he is. And we need to come up with a, a name for this series, Dave. Yeah, I think we said that last time, didn't we? Yeah. Stories we in story time? Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll make a note to, to think of something and throw you some ideas. Or we could ask him. Indeed, that's another idea, yes. Following day, Archer72, who's back. Excellent. Uh, did some DVD ripping using old hardware, which is good, actually, because it's getting harder to find machines with DVDs in them now. Yeah, true. And I found myself that I wanted to, to watch Sister Act, and it wasn't available on Netflix or Hulu or any of the or HBO, the, the things that I have available. And uh, I actually wanted to get it legally, so I could stream it from Thingy for five euros or i could buy it for five euros on dvd and get sister act two with it so i bought it with dvd so bizarre bizarre world oh quite yeah yeah yes so shall i do the comment on this one there was one from Clatu who says yep. neat nice to hear slackware 32 bits still coming in useful i don't mind that so many linux distros are discarding 32 bit as long as somebody keeps it around because while 32 bit hardware is fading there's still a lot of it out there. Yeah, and I was just the other day had a I wanted to set up um, a mind test server for the kids on an old HP laptop, and none of the major distros. Fedora dropped it. Uh, yeah, it was uh, strange. I had to end up with uh, Debian for. No, it's a shame. It's sad that that's that's happening, and it's, it's going. I can understand it, but it's going against the uh, the, the reusability yeah, argument exactly. for for Linux, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. We had a big discussion on one the last final New Year show about that. So, how to get started playing RPGs, Lost in Bronx and Plateau Team Tag, an intro to tabletop role-playing games, a show which I think I prompted them to do. And uh the read Red sorry, Red Driver Red Rider 06 says, "How to get started playing RPGs." I started participating in RPGs several months ago but did none of the things mentioned in this presentation prior to actually playing the game. My GM, uh, Game Master, took the small gathering of curious gamers through a couple of relatively short scenarios and stories, which kept the interest up and the mechanics of everything mentioned in the podcast 
at double arm's length away. We didn't know it then, but he'd kept us focused on the game rather than too many details of the characters. Sure, we still built characters, but it was very a very abbreviated process. Not until some months and many game sessions later did I actually do my own research and discover parts of what this podcast brings together very succinctly. And now I know a bit more about the whole podcast or process. This podcast is still is all the more interesting. Lost and Bronx and Plateau have done a splendid job laying out a very understandable and approachable process for the curious about to take part in an RPG. And the sound production was stellar too. Well done, gentlemen. Now, couldn't say, could not say, um, say it better myself. Now, that was a superb comment, and uh, it was an extremely well done episode. It uh, it was it was produced with <laughs> two people doing doing their their own pieces, I imagine, and sticking them together. It just came came together brilliantly, seamlessly, seamlessly. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, you know the nice editing between the two and the uh, and the positions changing. It was almost as if they were in the in the same room. As far as Red Rider goes, he should be very thankful for the game master who was who who did this and brought them. It seems like exactly what you want somebody to get you motivated and interested, and then at a later date get all the additional stuff. So, but in lieu of having a game master as good as that, then I recommend this show. And I also will recommend this show when I hear people say about the audio quality being terrible on HPR. The audio quality can be terrible on HPR. It doesn't have to be terrible on HPR. No, no, no. It's a, it's a, an example for, for us all, I think. Now, NY Bill talks about calibration issues with his uh, Siglant oscilloscope. And this is kind of a good one. Because he does side-by-side comparisons and his, as always, his slideshows are um, add to the episode very much. I really enjoyed this myself. And McNallu said, Oscillowat, I too have a secret desire for an oscilloscope. I'm building a wee one from a kit just now, but that's mostly for fun. I'll need one that can handle 20 megahertz clock signals for troubleshooting my poor Amiga 3000. Hence my interest in the show. Also, the HPR robot calls you nibble too. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> NY Bill replies, a chimp by any by another name. Yeah, the East Beat kind of butchers my nick. I bet NY Bill would sound about right, and he spelt it out <laughs> phonetically. Uh, hey, East Beat, I live in New York. <laughs> but it actually says any bill, I think, rather than nibble. But good luck, your your scope bill. 25 megahertz will be right in the wheelhouse of the kit type scopes, he says. So, I yeah. really want, uh, you know, I've got that one of those little bit scope things. I mentioned it on the, on the show, uh, mm-hmm. the New Year show. Yeah. I really would like somebody to do um, a series on that bit scope thing hooked up to a Raspberry Pi with a counter or something on it just so that we could learn how to use the Bitscope with a Raspberry Pi. And if somebody is willing to do that show, I will happily arrange for a Bitscope and a Raspberry Pi to make its way to you for that purpose. Yeah, so introduction wow. to oscill- oscilloscoping. This is how badly and desperately I want this show. <laughs> yeah, well, It's a cool a, little thing. It's got a logical analyzer and stuff on it as well, so... It would be nice just to know what an oscilloscope does, you know, be able to check some voltages, check pins going high, pins going low, maybe pulse width modulation, you can do that on the Pi. Uh, then, you know, logic signals, maybe troubleshooting a serial interface or something. Basic yeah, basic yeah. stuff that, you know, would get you started or at least give you enough that when somebody's doing a YouTube video on a more advanced function, you have a, you have a start. Or when you go to buy a real and doing the air quotes oscilloscope that you kind of know is it worth it to get the bigger one or the smaller one or what you're looking for you know just to get your foot in the door a bit like uh, what we did with the um with the ham radio with the uh, bofang a5 that it's you never want it as your main radio but it's a it's an introduction at least yeah 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 i'd never thought of that you're quite right you're quite right i used um you know the sort of classic lab oscilloscope Back in the seventies, as a student, yeah, because yeah. I was doing uh, electrophysiology stuff, so you stuck electrodes in some poor cockroach oh, or something. 
that was what biology was like in them days. No, yeah. no you don't do that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, so I knew enough to be able to do that. But I, given an oscilloscope, I would not know how, really how to do too much else. Um, and I don't particularly want to find out about muscle potentials in cockroaches anymore. So yeah, I, I, I can see from the arguments being made here, I can see how useful it would be in a in a lab. And those little um, bitscope ones are quite, you know, they're probably crappy. And my bill is probably going, no, they're crap. But at least it'd be a start, you know, it's affordable. They're a hundred bucks. So um. there was, uh, he did do a show on a DIY scope. You remember um, yeah, yeah. a couple of years back. And I then must he, admit, I was tempted to buy one of those. There were two versions, weren't there? Yeah. but There was a ripoff one. Go on, sorry. And this is the one he spent lots of time afterwards going, yes, and the joy of troubleshooting. <laughs> yes, yes, he had he had fun troubleshooting it, but I think the, the likes of us might not. Yeah, no, I have seen yeah, it. Yeah. I have seen a completely built kit for sale um, at the local Maker Fair, for example. Um, so, but I can't justify one at the moment. Yeah, but whether it's a kit or whatever, yeah, if it's in the bulk ballpark of 75 to 100 euros you know 75 to 100 dollars where you can it makes it accessible for somebody that you can go okay is this something that i'm even going to be interested in uh or is this enough to be able to go okay well i'm not i'm having this problem with the thing i'll try and debug it with this and then i'll go into work and i'll ask the person in work who's got a better oscilloscope to help but anyway following day what is a stow how does stow work why you'd want to use it and what are its limitations yeah <laughs> i uh, i started writing notes about this i said saying sorry clacker i really didn't follow this but then i started read, reading just should have done first uh and it's a gnu thing for doing clever stuff with software installation we put all yeah. the software in one place and then sim link it to the scattered places all over the place and that's actually very clever yeah I think that's, of, that's exactly what i was thinking yeah yeah it's um, I I couldn't from reading quickly reading the GNU Stow uh, stuff. It wasn't entirely clear how you told it where where the the original stuff was and where it was to go. Um, but uh, I'm sure that's something that one could work through. I think the GNU uh, the GNU project's method of explaining stuff is terrible. Some of those yeah. manuals are, are grim indeed. Yeah, yeah. They don't they don't do themselves any favors. But this is a good one to have because I I do have situations where I would definitely like to link libraries and stuff to various different things without without all the hassle that goes along with it. That's kind of cool. Yeah, we we used to run a thing called Deck Athena at work, um, and that was a system where you, all your software was on central servers and you NFS mounted it on your workstation. So the workstations were, were fairly stateless, not totally, but, um, well, they were stateless, but they had some local operating system. But, and, the, and you would, you could do it with multiple architectures. So you could run a PC against it um, and you could run a, a, a Unix box against it. And it was, they, it was also did fancy tricks with, linking stuff in such a way that it was it was seamless um so i'm in yeah i'm stunned that this sort of stuff is being done still in this sort of way actually um it's quite a revelation i found it fascinating it's still useful you see that's why yeah yeah get ahead with git head see what Latu did there <laughs> very good and he actually put um in some commands into his show notes which I approve of heartily, Klaatu. Uh This, for once, Med cleared up Git for me again. This uh, made an awful lot of sense, that it's like the head reader of a tape cassette. So, very good. I'm I'm enjoying this episode, but I th- or this series. But actually, the whole... And we'll come to that again as one of the other shows, and I'll save my comment until then. Speaking of series I'm enjoying, GNU Arc, Arc Part 11. And this one, uh, Be Easy, Your Better Half did a uh, rundown of the various different numeric functions and string functions, which you can call using a one-liner in awk and support stuff that might not be available to you in uh, your bash script, which is basically what I got out of it. 
Yes, yes, yeah. It's it's powerful. It, it's got a lot of stuff in there. It's a it's a complete standalone language to to a large extent. Unbelievable, like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people yeah. are just using it as why does it have this really weird structure? Because you're shorthanding it because it's a programming language. <laughs> yeah, it's in my time. I think I might have said this before, but I started using it way back in the eighties, and it, it, it since then it's it's grown a lot. There's a lot of of extra goodies in there, and it's made it much more powerful. Um, so yeah, it was good then, but it's much better now. No, it's excellent. I'm really enjoying the series. You're doing you're doing a good job on that. Keep it coming. By the way, have you noticed all the hosts this month are uh, the recurring uh, stalwarts who are keeping keeping us going? <laughs> More on that later as well. Sixth annual HPR New Year's show. We had big dis- discussion about uh, firewall distros, and um, I think Dodo Dummy made a comment on the um, IRC channel, podcast um, panels on Freenode about that it was painful to listen to this because you had uh, a whole go of uh, nerds not answering the question that was being asked basically you know not recommending him what to do with the firewall and telling him to do something else and while i can see his point running a firewall running a machine sometimes it's it's a bad idea what he was suggesting was running a firewall on a machine that has so much capabilities and then he wanted to load additional stuff on that but then you're negating what the whole purpose of a firewall is is to give separation of concerns between two things so the better idea would not be to run the firewall on there and to run the firewall on a cheap dedicated little device and use the machine as a machine but yeah that sounded very sensible i I thought the advice was uh, was excellent um it's certainly something i've my experience has been with dedicated firewall hardware in my job, yeah. um, but uh, it uh, where well, there was no other choice. But it, it makes very good sense what the advice that was given. Yeah, and I understand that you start off with something, but sometimes sometimes what you're suggesting to do there's not is is not the best thing. But I do understand Dodo Domi's point that it is frustrating when you ask a question and somebody says, you know, on a forum, the classic, I want to do this with this. And then the first answer is, no, you shouldn't use that. You should use this. And then the subsequent thread then proceeds into a discussion about the thing that you actually don't want to do. But in the case of that discussion, I felt that it was fairly much covered, covered all the points. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Go on. Yep. Okay, and uh, we had a discussion about 3D printers. And... Well, that was the bit I was just going to say. I, I found that really interesting. Having just uh, ordered one, um, the first one I've ever, ever uh, bought, um, I I was sort of partly pushed into it by listening to that, I have to say. Which one did you, uh, uh, did you want? Did you order? I bought a Creality. There are two models of Creality. There's a CR10, which is a more expensive one, it's about 500 quid, something like that. Quite a large device. Um, I bought the, the newer, slightly smaller one called the ESA3, which is um, which is only 200 pounds. Uh, and you can get it for less than that, actually, if you, if you buy it from China or you're happy to buy it through eBay or whatever. But uh, I got it off Amazon, so it's a little bit more expensive. But it looks like it's going to do, going to be quite good, as far as I can see from the reviews and the YouTube um, uh, tutorials and stuff about it. So, so yeah, it was, and I'm hoping to be able to use. Well, maybe try a Tinkercad. So it's useful just being pointed at some of these things. Fusion 360 mm. means you need a need a Windows machine, and I don't have one. I don't really want one. Yeah, yeah. But there's Open SCAD, which is looks really interesting, though it's driven with a command language, which is um, which is a bit odd, but still appeals to me. That's uh, yeah, that looks like a nice little printer. Actually. Okay, cool. Uh, I expect there will be shows coming about this. <laughs> yes, yes, no doubt at all. And I'll have to create something on it to stop the cat making noises in the background when I'm talking. But, uh, <laughs> I can't think what that is. <laughs> and then I started soldering my uh, my board, PCB. 
Yes, that sounded quite a challenge. Uh, did you manage to get it up and running? I got episode? it. Uh, I ordered another one that was fully assembled, <laughs> and uh, that's that's here. And I ordered one that had the uh, surface mounted components already on there, and then uh, uh-huh. then doing it. But to be honest, uh, unlike in my bill, I did not relish the idea of troubleshooting it. I really just wanted it to work. I would love as well just to know what actually went wrong with it. So um, I might try sometime. Uh, building the other one, but as you know, I'm not able to. Um, I, I don't have time at the minute with this uh, core thing that's going on. Okay, building trust was the following day. Quasi philosophical musings about how to build trust both online and in real life. And there was one comment, and it was from me. Profound. And on our about page, we have the quote, anybody who has shown long-term dedication to a project and is trusted by the community can become an admin. It was uh, it was almost as if Tlatu was referring to HPR as a project. Well, he did make several mentions of HPR, didn't he? he? Did, he? So he did, that he was, did. which I thought was uh, was quite quite a good idea given the audience and stuff. But yeah, it was it was, very, <laughs> it was really well put together. Um, it's uh, it he's he I do admire his ability to I think just sort of do this sort of stuff of more or less off off the off the cuff but uh, i don't i don't know that that's a fact but it certainly sounds as if he's he's able to 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 utter these things off the top of his head it's something know, i can't do yeah i think him he lost in bronx and uh, and another villain would be deep geek of course seem to me three people who always say things oh, that are extremely deep and well thought out and must be highly intelligent intelligent people and i fear that if i ever met any of those three in person you know that they, <laughs> that there would be just waffling idiots who <laughs> who uh, who just use the medium of podcasting and writing as a means to distill their drivel and then uh, only produce the best of their uh, of their thoughts unlike me <laughs> <laughs> I, I, something i very that... much doubt myself <laughs> yes yes one thing i noted here was that i liked that uh, i like the way cloud to pointed out the suspicious nature of microsoft in their their pro linux stance at the moment because uh, that, that's how i read what, what he was saying really that mm-hmm. uh, it's i think it is a it is a suspicion that we've all had um it, it it stops me from from really wanting to get involved. Well, I've always wanted to avoid being involved with Microsoft, but I'm I'm even less keen to to do so these days. And it seems to me like a like a strategy that uh, they're, they're they're working towards a goal over a long period of time. So anyway, Indeed. yeah. Well, he, uh, you yeah. know the the well the well known embrace uh, extend extinguish. Um, the extend part, of course, uh, is kind of muted by the uh, negated by the open source uh, free and open source software licenses, which means you, as they extend, you can also extend. So, anyway, it's it just it's just nice to hear, hear somebody uh, reinforcing your own suspicions. <laughs> That's all, really. It's just uh, part of being in the bubble, I guess, or something. Yeah, but it, I think a lot of that. Well, what he said applies to HPR's community. It's, uh, it's that's how I got this job. How you got on board was, you know, you were just around and reliable, and it also explains why we're not rushing out to get uh, contributions for code from people. Because if somebody comes and people have offered in the past to do coding for us and stuff, and so that's fine. But you know, you're going to have to support it for two years because if you disappear, then I'm going to have to learn whatever technology that you have which is fine but um then quite a lot of people just you know never reply then after that or just walk away from the project because it this is a long-term project we have here back how long are we going now i'm sure you can remember better than i can 12 years 7 months 28 days dave it's on the uh it's on the main page of the thing so like two years two years is nothing here you know it's it's only a drop in the ocean to hpr as a project so yes uh the following day we had stikes s-t-y-x a purely function static site generator this is another one from clacky read the comments tell us what it's about it's um i i'm yes you're, it's one you're of their, 
your pronunciation threw me slightly there because I would pronounce it sticks to rhyme with nicks. Yeah, because it would be nicks. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see what I was, the did there, yeah. I was hesitating whether to tell you or not. But, uh, anyway, um, it's, uh, yeah, so there was a comment from Clacker who says, addendum, Styx was written by Eric Sagnus, I would imagine you pronounced that. I neglected to name the author because his name wasn't on my mind at the time. Styx was written by Eric Sagnus, and if you look at his repositories on GitHub, it's not really surprising that he would be the one to write a site generator in Nix, and he uh, links to the the uh, GitHub location. If he keeps doing these shows, we're going to have to learn Nix, you know that. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> Yes, yes, I, I've sort of partially avoided it, to be honest with you, because it sounds, sounds interesting and complicated and like a huge time suck potentially so um i uh, only got so many brain cells left you know so i don't want to use up too many on things <laughs> gonna gonna demand too much and i'm so glad you stopped uh, correcting my english because the following day we had battling with english part one misunderstandings about english grammar spelling and pronunciation and you have no idea how much i feared what you were say going to say in this show and this is an example of how I corrected Ken on show for a two. <laughs> no, 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 I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I wanted to be to be friendly. I think you and I both know that my uh, wardrobe right here is covered in uh, emails from you with the correct pronunciation and the correct uh, uh, explanation of each of various different words, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. This is this is my perfectionist brain saying this is this is the right way to do it and you're doing it the wrong way. And, uh, no, no, you did it. Uh, <coughs> your introduction makes a lot of sense and you did it quite correctly. It was interesting about the nice part actually that it, that was only recently accepted to be a nice. Yeah, it's quite pleasant. fascinating how how the language is changing. Sometimes in ways that you wish it wouldn't. Um, I've got one or two anecdotes coming up later on. I'm trying not to. Not to go into rants about them, because I have a tendency to want to to rant about them because they annoy me. But uh, but you know, just pointing out that that things are changing. Sometimes the thing that really does annoy me, actually, and it shouldn't, is that um, an expression gets warped by some sort of process where people misspell it. And as a consequence, the misspelt version, which which makes a, makes a species of sense because it's it's a word, it's misspelt into a, a, a synonym, um, then becomes the accepted way of doing it, and, and yet it makes no sense. Like well, this is one I'm not going to do in the series. Probably the proof is in the pudding. That's not a specific one, but but what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything at all. But it, you hear it so much. Sounds proof like is a, in the pudding. What good, is this proof pudding that you're eating? Sounds like an Agatha Christie novel or something. <laughs> no, but the express, the real expression, the proof of the pudding is in the eating, where proof means the the, the check on the quality, the, the re- revelation as to what sort of quality it is, is only determined by uh, by eating it. So the proof of the pudding is in the eating. But... Uh, People yeah, have mangled all... that the proof is in the pudding, which is totally nonsensical. Yes, but you've also mangled that because it should be the proof is in the, uh, the proof is. What was it again? The proof is in the. The proof is in the pudding or something of that sort. The, the proof, proof of in, the pudding is in the, the eating. eating of it. Should have the of it at the no, end. Well, yeah, yeah maybe. It, but the the original the original I don't think said of it. In fact. Okay, but, well, let me Google that for you. But I I would need to go. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be fun. We should we should do a, d- a double-ended show here. Actually, we should <coughs> should be uh, having having uh, battles over over expressions and spelling and things. Yeah, some people are saying the proof of the pudding is in the eating, but that doesn't sound like there's an end to the sentence. No, but it's it's um it's quite an old expression. It's using a an more archaic form of English, which is why sometimes these things get updated and turned into nonsense. Because mm, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the intention is no, is no longer understood, and then it gets turned into something nonsensical. And that annoys me, but, uh, but, but there you go. I go I can, through my life being I annoyed. F- I feel your pain. I do. <laughs> I do. Anyway. 
Mr. X Sorry. with his favorite browser extension, OneTab. Any any uh, longing to use this uh, this uh, extension at all? Well, that's an interesting question because I uh, I was listening to this and thinking, well, why why would you want to use this? And then I realized, hang on, he's talking about Firefox, and I actually use the tab groups thing that he says is now no longer supported. But it just so happens that I'm running Debian testing, which uh, did a weird thing that took Firefox, renamed it as whatever it is, Ice, Ice Weasel, Pigeon or something, I don't know. Ice Weasel. Uh, yeah, Ice Weasel. And uh, then for some reason or other, they relented and gave it back its name of, uh, of Firefox. But in doing so, it seems to have frozen in testing. So I'm on version, f- is it 52 or 5.2? 5.2 anyway. Which doesn't, which still supports tab groups, and I love them. But if I get moved on to fifty-seven, which is possible, then I can't use tab groups anymore. I, I guess one tab would be a reasonable way of doing it because you can have more than one one tab. I think, mm. can't you? Do you use I, it? I don't know. No, I don't use no. this feature at all. I have a tab toolbar. Okay, I, or I, I a do, bookmark toolbar. I do like to group tabs and have them lurking around, but. They they do use up they they do use up resources and so you know, but it's it it's great I, all of my HBR shows that I'm planning exist as tab groups um, on um, what's it called I'm oh Pale Moon I'm using Pale Moon which offers you a nicer tab group thing mm. and there's there's bazillions of them in there so uh, yeah it's a, it's a great feature I don't know why they who is it that keeps destroying these these things and telling us that we mustn't have them anymore. I don't know. Usability experts, Steve. Well, I'd have to go and smack them about the face. But yeah, no. I'm never irritated, by the God. way. <laughs> Jesus, Dave, um, what have they been putting in the water over there in Scotland? <laughs> no, but uh, I thought it was a great show. Uh, it was it was well well explained, and it certainly got me thinking. Indeed. The following day was GDPR Day. Oh, I've been waiting for this one for so long. And I would have loved to do a better episode than the one I did, but I had no choice because basically it, uh, uh, my recording setup was just terrible. Uh, I recorded it not on my Zoom H3, and uh, my attempt to truncate silence caused a lot of issues. But anyway, it is what it is. Okay, okay. Now, um, Clack says... The date, how very appropriate. This would be released precisely for May the 25th, smiley face. <laughs> Which is why I had to rush it out, because I knew um, I had to look at the um, an alarm come up on my agenda that uh, GDPR day was coming up. Well, I knew it was anyway. And then I saw that the date was free, and then I start. I wanted to record it immediately. And then, the, yeah. Anyway, show. it's a show if it's on the server, Dave. Yeah, I thought it was great. It it, uh, it, it covered the, the subject in a, in a way that, made me much more alert as to, to what was going on. Obviously, I knew it was happening, but hadn't yet got around to looking at the at the details. And it was it was a good good um, way to uh, to get me to, to go and start reading things. Yep. So, and my bill said it was a nice TLDR, a nice summary of the GDPR. Ken, I was wondering what it was all about. And I have noticed everyone and their brother sending me out policy updates these days. But as I doubt that GDPR pertains to my little server, I wasn't really paying too much attention. But you did the deep dive for me, smiley face. By the way, you might want to do noise reduction, then truncate silence. This one sounded a bit like a guy in a radio king up the mic at random times while he was talking. Actually, that was caused by the truncate silence. So, um, okay, sorry about uh, the uh, the audio, but yeah, yeah. Well, it happens. It happens. It was. It was. It was audible. I actually uh, process audio anyway. I do a normalize on all the HBR. Quite a lot of other podcasts as well, and also speed yeah. things. So it, it sounded pretty good to me. Just had to turn the volume up a bit. I might actually end up doing a few follow-up shows on the GDPR and how it has panned out because it's awesome. Sent out a, quite a few emails requesting information and stuff since. Ooh, cool! Yes, yes. I must start looking to see when I can and I can do that because it sounds sounds like it's wonderful to have such power. <laughs> you you can do it right now. Yeah, all of these things apply to you in the uh, in the in the UK. 
And who is to say that somebody else in another jurisdiction might not be an EU citizen or might not be might not be uh, resident in an EU country? So there you go. Because it also applies to say uh, somebody coming over and just stopping for a vacation in Europe, then the law applies to them equally. Oh, very good. Yeah. So soundscapes. This was Mr. X taking his dog for a walk. It sounded like he was taking his horse for a walk. Did you get that? <laughs> yes, it did. I did. Yes, yes. I think he said something like that in the in the notes. Yeah, well, the rhythmic clinking sounds. It's more like I'm riding a horse than walking the dog. It was. Yes. Uh, it was nice. I like. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. It taught me a bit of Scottish uh, slang as well. The tolly bone is a uh, that that word is uh, sh- yeah. Well, it should should make the episode explicit probably. And is it not? Oh, it is. It is. It is. Yes. Yes. Well done. Well done. Yes. So there you go. That's a good. Yes, it's explicit. Yes. <laughs> yes. I yes. have no idea what what tolly bone is. I'm now uh, <laughs> now fascinated, <laughs> which of course turns this one into an explicit. Oh dear. Oh, but yeah, dear, yeah. Dear. No, it's. Uh, yeah, I'd like to know who is walking. <laughs> but, uh, you know what would be a, a good series is, front door. Mm-hmm. is uh, rude words from around the world. That would be that would be a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would that would be fun, wouldn't it? And why are they rude? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, why? Yeah, yeah. So um, and and rude words from history too, probably. So yeah, yeah, yeah. not allowed to say ankle in the Victorian times and stuff like that. Dear, or legos for that matter. It's very rude. I will. I look forward to hearing the show about it, Dave. The following day, I bought a laptop in which Tlake takes months, possibly years, to buy a laptop, but comes out pretty pleased. I was surprised at his. He had a. He mentioned a small little sub hundred euro laptop, and it's not in the show notes. What was it called? We did. He did. It was a Pine something or other. What is it? I'd heard other people mentioning it. I, I didn't make a note of what it was. Um. Yeah, yeah, I was expecting to see it in the notes, uh, as, as you did, obviously. At the time, I went to, uh, yeah, Pine64 Single Bulb Computers. Uh, you'll find it at pine64.org, but it was actually the Pinebook. And if somebody has one of these, I would really like to see it, because I'm looking for something that I can bring on the train that uh, that's form factor of um, Acer Aspire 1, you know, the netbooks. You can't get netbooks for love and money. And they were so handy because they fitted exactly in the small, you know, they, um, they call them stop trains here. They're um, all service trains. So they're really tiny seats, really crimped seats and stuff. And they're just ideal to have an open and you can have your email and stuff there. So I was very tempted to get this one. If you know of this one or another netbook that's available that will run a relatively modern distro that would be ideal ideal if it also was an i386 because i got some proprietary stuff uh that uh requires for the firewall or for the use the vpn requires an i386 architecture cool yeah yeah my um daughter and my son's girlfriend both have quite small laptops which are not hugely not, not a great deal bigger than my old uh, um, triple EPC. Um, so yeah, I know one of them is a is a um, um, suddenly brain goes blank. The uh, the the the, mod, the thing that was that IBM used to sell. What was that called now? ThinkPad. Yeah, it's a little little ThinkPad. Hmm. Um, so I mean, I, I can find out more if it, if that yes. sounds interesting. Well, my my, some... my actual requirements would be. Uh, cheap, <laughs> right, very very cheap. Yeah, yeah. Um, that ideally it runs Linux and that it's a small form factor, but you can still type on it with a you know not touch type, but uh, peck it, you know search and uh, search and Well, peck. my my understanding both of these are, are second hand. I think they were eBay mm. purchases. Um, my son's quite good at spotting these things. I think he was responsible for for uh, finding the. Uh, the, the deals and stuff, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll find out more if I if I might be talking nonsense, of course, but uh, I'll let you know one way or another. Yeah, if you uh, do, you have your old EPC. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you could take a photo with them with that over, so then I get an idea of how big it is. Yeah. Okay. We'll do. Cool. Um, oh, the following day, action in storytelling, LNB. 
forgive the audio quality because I'm recording it in a car. And he was talking about action in storytelling, that static action. And uh, I was reminded of the scene in The Good, the Bad and the Ugly, where the, the gunfight scene. All that happens is they start in a group and then they go to three different corners of the circle and the whole thing was was kind of describing that. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a, it was an interesting analysis, I have to say. Very, very good. I wonder how many more of these he has. Introduction to Fossil was the next day by Klaatu and this seems to me an altogether more sane uh, system of stowing files than Git. I, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I was really pleased to to hear that Clato uh, was doing this. I never really looked at Fossil, but I certainly heard, knew of it before I got into Git. It's about, I think it pre it's sort of about the same vintage as Git. I'm not sure. Rich, it's Richard Hip, isn't it? The guy yeah, who yeah. created um, SQLite. Exactly. And yeah. I've certainly heard him being interviewed about it. I think it was on uh, um, the. Uh, Twit Network show, whatever that is called, Floss, Floss Weekly. Weekly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he is—he is a very bright fella, and yep. Yep. His, his design sounded really nice. And what Clarty was saying was really confirmed. That sound sounds really clever, and it's all in in a SQLite database. Wow! Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Cool. I must go and uh, try it out because it's it's the sort of thing you could you could use for your own purposes. Quite effectively, I think. Not necessarily because you. I mean, you could share it with other people as well. But uh, I don't have any call to do that. But for, for some of my own personal projects, it might be a better solution than Git. Yeah. What exactly. do you think? Yeah, exactly. I yeah, I'm just tempted to have a look, to be honest. Because uh, the more Klaatu goes into Git, I mean, I need to know Git anyway for work and stuff. But the more he goes into it, the more I realise how little I know about it. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, same here. Shall we go through the comments from last month? There was only actually one uh, comment by Dodo Dummy. And uh, it was a comment that related to show uh, the HBR Audio Club, uh, which was um, Audio Club 10, which was, let me see, it was a review of Revolution Radio by Seth Kenlan. Wow, this was a while back, 2015 05. And... Um, this tickles all of my private places. Okay, just the references to free culture. Love the reader's voice, liked the story. God, that Seth Kendall's voice reminds me of somebody. No idea who. Uh, I agree with Pokey about the timing of things regarding canned food, Emery's, etc. But I don't keep, uh, it didn't keep me out of the story. I thought it was strange that people had forgotten so much in so few years, but I have some real life situations where people aren't taught anything for a generation, and this is a bit like this. I like the glitches these guys mentioned. I can confirm that the issue with OG files in the in the album art. I didn't listen to this until after I listened to the audiobook. I had the same issue. Downloaded fine, but wouldn't play in uh, Rockbox. A little searching led me to suggestion that if the OG plays okay in DLC, other players, but not Rockbox. The album is likely to be the culprit remove them with audio type tool and all as well if memory serves the rockbox folk says it's because it only has one megabyte for metadata interesting that's good and that was yeah. well so i was sorry seth kenlan's uh story about um uh, a universe where people um build communities based on the different licenses or inspired by the different software licenses that there are available. A nice essay if you're interested in that. Anything else there, Dave, in the old comments? There's nothing else. We've, we've covered everything else. It's quite unusual. Um, that's, uh, yeah, you must have covered all the other ones last, last uh, episode then. Yep. Cool. cool. And then we had the call for shows. Because it's into the summer again, and now the number of shows traditionally falls off. We've been able to carry it this month due to the fact that the old regulars, the people we trust, the people who are around all the time, um, those people have contributed shows for us and kept us going. So if you would like to build up brownie points or trust points within the community, this is where you show us the love by 
committing shows to us. That is, it's no secret how trust is built up in HBR. You contribute shows. You're listening to the call for shows. You're keeping an eye on the old queue there. When things go a bit low, you submit shows. It ain't rocket science. Yep, Dave. Yep. Good point, good point. There's um, any other business? Just a couple of things. Yep. Um, first one, just to highlight that there have been some changes to the website. The first one is pretty obvious. I think most people will have seen it. The tags for show now being displayed in the header of each show page. And um, I doubt most was... people go even to the website, Dave. Wow. How is that possible? Anyway, it's there if you want to, to know what the what the tags are. And um, we discovered a fault in the comment display code, which resulted in comments that had a percent sign in them not to be displayed. And uh, we fixed that. So, so it did affect a few comments, but uh, I don't think anybody noticed um, till I happened to do so, I think. So it took me a while. So... And yep. on the thanks for that. Yep, yep. On the tags front, not a huge lot to say. Windigo was very kindly sent in a couple of updates this month. I have not managed to find the time to do any myself, so we're just two done this this particular month. But thanks to all contributors. Okay, so that is pretty much that. Yes, if people would like to send in some shows, that would be excellent. How about you decide on a series, folks? Um, you sit down, you write it over the next week, you record three or four shows the following week, and then you submit them. That would be absolutely awesome. Paste them out, leaving gaps for other people to, uh, new hosts to submit shows, and uh, the world will be a wonderful place. It will, truly. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, that was very deep. Um, yes, any other new Dave? No? No, I don't think so. Um, I was thinking of going to Hog Camp with the family. Uh doesn't look like I will get there with the family this year due to uh, having to go to Ireland with the family two additional times, which is a bit of a bummer because I was kind of looking forward to that. Um, I've been thinking about going over myself, but the costs are pretty much, you know, except for the flights and the, the prices will be more or less the same. So not even sure I'll be able to do that, Dave. So. Uh, it's a shame. That's a shame. But there you go. Yes, it's a, uh, it's ex it's an expensive process. It's uh it is. It is. It's not. It is. Uh, it's not w hugely cheap for me, and I I just have to get the train and find a hotel. But uh, trains yeah. are very expensive in the UK. I have to say that trains are insanely. Wow. I, last last dog camp I went to in Oxford when I went by train. I, the one the actual last one I went to I, went, I drove to in Liverpool, but the one in Oxford. Um, was relatively easy to find the tickets, buy the tickets, and they they, they were not massively expensive. They were more expensive than they should be, I believe. But but I was looking for tickets this time, and it said you either can it either cost you two hundred and fifty pounds to get from Edinburgh to Sheffield, or you can wait until twelve weeks before your departure date, and then you can try and see if you can get what they call an advance ticket. Um, so I had to set alarms for myself to, to do this. I did, and I got tickets, return ticket for 80-odd 80, 80 pounds. But uh, it's a hugely complicated process. Plus also the whole train system is falling apart at the moment, as far as I can see. There's been massive um, problems with timetabling and uh, failure to run services and putting buses on instead all across the country. It's it's, it's a absolute shambles. Mm, not good. No. Okay. So enough of this. Right. I will. Uh, I will go and um, edit the show. <laughs> okay. Uh, the last community news. For some reason, I'm getting a background echo coming through. Oh, don't know why that would be. Okay. There's no. Yeah, um, no speaker on anything. No. Mm, strange. The last uh, community news. I ended up uh, having to record it twice. So that three times actually. That was not pleasant. And uh, the same with. Um, same with that GDPR show. So hopefully my Murphy issues will have disappeared. <laughs> yes, let's hope so. But we'll uh, see. If not, hopefully my recording will cover you. Okay. Thank you very much, Dave. Uh, tune in tomorrow for another exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio. Radio.
Join us now and tell us off where you'll be free, hacker, you'll be free, hacker, you'll be free. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.